What's going on, my youths? How we doing? Welcome to another new episode of my podcast titled The Truth For Youth. My name is Ben St. Jean, your host, and we are back at it again with another new podcast episode. Now, today's topic is titled Youth and Suicide. With so much that is going on in our world, especially the pandemic, suicide has become a major public health crisis, especially among our youth. So in this podcast episode, we are going to dive deeper into how we can understand young people who are going through thoughts of depression and ultimately thoughts of suicide and how we can all get through this together. I hope you're listening because I believe that in this episode, we all can learn something. Stay tuned. Everybody wants to be young. It seems that timelines and social media posts of birthday celebrations are filled with hashtags and quotes about staying young in youth. 30 is the new 20. 40 is the new 20. Age is just a number. That being young is a state of mind. In the time that we're living in now, especially in society, everyone is looking to turn the clock backwards. Back to the age of youthfulness. Back to the age of vigor. Back to the age of energy. Back to the age of vitality. Back to the age of when life was just filled with life. Everyone is trying to live their best life. And they feel that the only way you can live your best life is... To be young again. To somehow find this fountain of youth. But I want people to understand that being young doesn't always mean that life is full of roses and sunshine. I mean, yes, of course. I mean, your hairline is still crisp. And yes, of course, if you're a woman, your body is curvaceous. Your face is wrinkle-free. And yes, you are in your best physical shape and prime. But sometimes what people often forget is that with being young comes a lot of pressure. I mean, we have a lot of decisions to make. We're still trying to find ourselves. We have all of these responsibilities and standards and expectations to meet. Sometimes we don't know what to do. We don't know who to go to. We don't know where to go to. And even worse than that, we don't even know what we're feeling and what to do with these feelings of meaningless, valueless, and emptiness. It's hard being a young person. And I know that it might be hard for some people to understand But on this podcast episode, we're going to dive deeper into that. So let's talk about it. Here's an interesting stat that I came across. 
Suicide occurs more often among older people than youth. Now, when we are talking about youth, what age are we talking about? It usually ranks from school age children, 7 to 12 years old, and adolescents from 13 to 20 years old. It's rare to find suicide among children under 5. That's no surprise. At that age, you don't even have to wipe your behind. Food is given to you. Clothes is on your back. A day of work as a toddler is finding toys to put in your wagon. Filling up your sandbox with sand. <sighs> on top of that, your social life is at its peak. Because Dora the Explorer is your best friend. And if not, you make an invisible friend. Literally. Everything becomes your friend. Your teddy bear. Your dinosaur. You throw tea parties. You have bubble baths. Everywhere you go, you're a superstar. Everybody's giving you things and want to know your name. You're a princess. You're a king. It just amazes me how happy a toddler can be. In 2012, I had a chance to volunteer at the Jack and Jill Children's Daycare Center for school community service hours. And it never ceased to amaze me how completely oblivious to the worries and cares of this life that toddlers are. I mean, everything was done for them. Food, snacks were given on time, story times. All they had to do was keep their hands and feet to themselves, crisscross applesauce, and put their coloring box back in their cubbies, bada beam, bada boom. And here I am, worrying if I'm seeing them enough to graduate from high school, reminding their teachers during nap time, hey, Miss Tammy, I'm going to be leaving a little early today. Please, don't forget to sign my community hour papers, okay? For yesterday and last week. Think about it. You ever seen a toddler in deep thought? No. They either have a frown on their face, a smile on their face, or they are just completely confused. They don't sit back and ponder on life. It's not until later when they are able to use the restroom themselves, make real human friends, have and sleep in their own rooms, start bringing their own supplies to school, begin to have romantic interests and attraction towards the opposite sex, start making decisions on their own. It's not until they become a youth that they start to think and ponder about this thing called life. There are many factors that contribute to depression and suicidal thoughts. It's not one thing. It's a lot more complex. Now, as young people, we are, by nature, more vulnerable to mental health problems during the years of adolescence. According to a scholarly written article called Youth in Suicide, Risk Factors, the adolescent period of life is characterized by changes, movement, and transitions from one state to another at the same time. 
Now, this article goes through the risk factors that can go behind depression and suicide rates among youths. According to studies, 90% of people who suffer from suicide have experienced at least one mental health disorder. And this usually begins around the age of adolescent, 13 and older. Because around this age period of your life, you have to make concrete, important decisions in life, such as school, living situations, and peers. Let's stop here. As a young person, life is filled with decisions. You have to choose your friends. You have to choose your classes. You also have to choose your enemies. You have to find a prom date, choose a school club, a sport, a hobby, choose a major, choose a college, choose a spouse, etc., etc. Back to back to back to back nonstop decisions. It just don't stop. And unfortunately, a lot of times this can get burdensome because with decisions comes responsibility and accountability. I know for myself, I hated choosing because I was always afraid of making the wrong decisions. I knew that it would fall on me and I would have to bear the consequences. And the crazy thing is, is that our brains are not even fully developed. The frontal lobe, the part of the brain that deals with decision making, is not even fully developed until the age of 25 among men. And I believe a little younger when it comes to young women. And because of this, most decisions we make, we resort to our feelings, emotions, and impulses, which leads to bad decisions, which lead to bad consequences, which lead to more bad feelings, emotions, and guilt which then turns into depression and anxiety that we still continue to make decisions on that, make, that makes things so worse that you lose control, which leads to substance abuse, drugs, sex, and alcohol. So many of our young women are having sex and babies. Our young men are dealing with baby mama dramas. And then on top of that, they are still trying to find themselves and navigate life on their own. This is why I believe every young person should have at least one mentor in their life to help them make sound decisions, avoid mistakes they made in the past, and help them navigate life through their emotions and feelings. You can't do this thing called life on your own. The Bible, the word of God says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, I know as young people, a lot of times we want to Entertain this spirit of independence. Oh, I'm 18. I can live life by myself. Oh, I'm fine. I can do this. I can do that. 
I don't need your help. I don't need nobody else's help. It's my life. I do what I want. Okay? If I make my decision, it's because that's how I feel and that's how it's going to go. Tell you, young people, listen to your parents. Listen to your security guard at school. Listen to your teachers. Listen to them because they've been where you have been and they are trying to keep you from falling where they have failed. Why go through something that you don't have to go through? In life, there's two ways you can learn. The easy way and the hard way. And for some reason, as young people, we are so hard-headed that we prefer to learn the hard way. But it don't have to be this way, right? And then you have to address new challenges in regards to building your own identity, and developing self-esteem. All right, I'll let y'all in on a little story. One of my first episodes of experiencing depression was dealing with an identity crisis. Now, this all began in high school, around my 10th grade year. In high school, I had dreams and admirations of being a basketball player. Growing up, Everybody in my neighborhood, all of my friends knew that I was going to be a basketball player. I was really good. I was nice with it. Every day I'd wake up, I'd sleep with the basketball, I'd dribble the basketball every morning, watch basketball videos, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Tracy McGrady, the best of the best of the best of the best. I loved basketball. And I always thought that basketball would be my life or my calling. But when I got to high school, I actually tried out for the basketball team. Now, my first year, ninth grade year, I didn't make it. All right. I think I got cut in the first draft. Um, But the next year was my 10th grade year. And that year, I hit my growth spurt. I actually jumped from 5'9 to 6'2 over the 2010 summer. And I remember I came back to tryouts and... The coach was really impressed with me. He was like, wow, you really gotten better. I've even noticed your left hand is a lot better. So I tried out in the basketball team, and we had about three tryouts. And it was surprising to me because each and every day after tryouts, the coach would say, all right, if you go and you look at the papers tomorrow, you'll see if your name is on there. And if your name is on there, come to the basketball court, come into the gym, if not, you know, you didn't make the team. Good luck. And each and every day I went, surprisingly, my name was on there until I officially made the basketball team. But there was only one dilemma. Was that that year that I made the basketball team was the year that all of the games were scheduled on a Saturday. Now, mind you, because of my religious beliefs, I'm a seven-day Adventist. I believe in the Sabbath, the day of rest, in which God calls us not to work or to do things of our own pleasure. I told my coach that, that I knew that I had to make this decision between keeping the Sabbath or playing basketball. And around that time, I started really to learn about my faith and started to grow a lot. And I was being convicted more and more about keeping the Sabbath. And so eventually I had to make that tough decision 
I had to tell my coach, like, yo, coach, thank you for this opportunity. But uh, because of my religious beliefs, religious reasons and purposes, I won't be able to play this basketball season. And it was crazy because every year the games were on Monday, Tuesday nights, Wednesdays. It was rare that it would be on Saturdays. And then the year that I finally make the basketball team, it had to be on Saturdays. And I couldn't do it. And he was so disappointed. And he said, look, I understand. Everything in life happens for a reason. You know, you're still a part of the team. You can still come to practice. But from then on, things were not the same. From then on, my friends did not understand that decision. My peers didn't understand. Even my own family members didn't understand why I made that decision. And it was so hard because in high school, that was my identity, was being a basketball player. And so now that I no longer had that under my goal or that was no longer a reality for me, I had to adjust to life as just a normal guy, a student, right? And it was tough. I went through depression, didn't really know how to navigate life or even high school, right? All of my high school dreams was go to school, be a basketball player, get a full ride scholarship, hopefully play in the pros, and that didn't work out. And so I didn't know where to fit in. Because, you know, in high school, you had the soccer team hanging out with the soccer team, the football team hanging out with the football team, cheerleaders hanging out with the cheerleaders, the basketball team hanging out with the basketball team. Then you had the Dawson Creek crew. Then you had the, you know, the honors kids and the AP kids hanging out with each other, Whatever the case is, then you have the step team hanging out with each other. Everyone had their group. I didn't have one. I didn't know where to fit in. There would be times where one of the times that I hated in high school was lunchtime. Because I didn't know where to sit. I didn't know who wanted to sit with me. It's not that I didn't have friends in high school. I had friends in high school, but it's just that all of my friends in high school were a part of a group. They were either part of the track team, a part of the football team, or part of this is this and that group. And I didn't necessarily fit the categories, right? So high school, I went through deep, deep depression. There would be days where I would go in class and I would just put my head down and I would sleep all throughout the day, all throughout class. I wouldn't say anything to anybody. People would tell me, good morning. Hi, how are you? I might lift up my head and say hi. And I just wait till the bell rings. In high school, I went through depression. It was a very, very dark time in my life because I just didn't know who I was. And I never forget, it was one time I was in class and we had a substitute teacher. And like I said, I was sleeping. I fell asleep. I woke up and it was a tall, tall gentleman, tall, big dude. Um, he came by me. His shadow um, was over me. I looked at him. He looked at me and he said, hey. What size shoe you wear? I told him the size. And he said, are you on the basketball team? And I was like, nah, man, I don't. <laughs> now nah, I don't play basketball. That ain't, that ain't me anymore. And he's like, do you know how many young men would die to have your height, your opportunity? 
I looked at him and I pretty much had like a blank face, you know, blank stare at him like, <laughs> no. And he's like, well, off to BC you go. I mean, that had to happen about 10 years ago. And for some reason, it it held a very uh, burden on my chest. Basically saying that I don't have any future because I'm no longer a basketball player, right? And this is why, as young people, I am a strong advocate for identity. Because I know that a lot of times as black men, our identity is often linked to what we can provide financially, our economic status, our reputation, how much money we have, how much girls we have, how much body counts we have. Our identity is linked with so many uh, vain status symbols. And I've learned that the core essence of our identity is not in our reputation, but rather in our character. And the most important thing is young people that you have to understand is that the first responsibility is knowing who you are in life. Because I'll tell you this right now, most people and by people I mean even grown adults don't know who they are. I guarantee you that most people do things just because somebody else is doing it. Your identity is a filter. It's easier to navigate life when you know who you are and whose you are. For me, I'm a child of God. Certain places you are not going to find me in. Certain things I won't do. Don't ever sacrifice your individuality for somebody. Whatever you do, do it for you before you do it for anyone else. And most importantly, do it for God. You belong to God before you belong to anyone else. People ask me all the time or every now and then, do you have a girlfriend? No, I have Jesus. Besides, why do I need a girlfriend? So she can break the windows out my car? So she can tell me to go to the left, to the left? Grab everything I own and put it to the box to the left? So I can cry in the rain and get on bended knees until she comes back to me? So I can post pictures of her all over social media? So I can feel complete? Nuh-uh. My heart and my affections belongs to God before it goes to anybody else. And as young people, find your confidence in your individuality in God because he made you. Because he made you, he knows who you are. And it is impossible to know God and not know yourself, right? And I know that a lot of times as young people, we can also struggle with self-esteem. I know that our young women, young ladies, sometimes you contemplate if you're beautiful enough. I know that I said that as men, we struggle with insecurity issues when it comes to finances, when it comes to our economic status, when it comes to materialistic things. A lot of times with women, it's more cosmetic, right? Is my skin color too dark? You know, is my hair too nappy? Am I not pretty? Does he not think I'm cute? Am I worth it? Am I really valuable? It's questions like these that a lot of times as young people we wrestle with and it causes undue anxiety and worry. 
But if we would just know who we are, having a sense of identity, it would save us from a lot of these troubles and worries that we burden our minds and hearts with. You're not complete in your boyfriend. You're not complete in your girlfriend. You are complete in God. Let's talk about how the pandemic is affecting mental health and suicide. Now, interesting enough, the pandemic really has not affected the suicide rates as much as many people thought or would have predicted so. According to research, overall suicide rates in the U.S. has decreased in 2019 and 2020. Now, this was a trend they attribute to a drop among white Americans who make up the majority of suicide deaths. Now, while suicide rates have gone down January and overall, on the other hand, the rates among blacks and Hispanics have continued to increase in the states. Especially with all the racial tensions going on, rates have also risen among Native Americans as well. Research has shown that suicide rates has risen twice as much for black kids as opposed to white kids under the age of 13. Sean Joe, a university social expert, puts it like this. We're losing generations. We have to pay attention now because if you are out of the first decade of life and think life is not worth pursuing, that's a signal to say something is going really wrong. Now, in my life, I've lost two friends to suicide. Most recently, I lost one last year. And let me tell you, it really hurts. It still hurts. And I can't afford to lose another one. Let me catch someone I love attempt suicide. Yo, no, we are not doing this. Get from down there, man. What do you think you're doing? Who taught you how to tie this rope? What I told you about being on that side of the internet. This ain't the dream Dr. King envisioned for us. Don't you know this wasn't an option for us back then? Talk to me. What's going on? You been listening to them trolls on Twitter? But seriously, it's scary to me that we would rather die in silence than to speak in suffering. We fear vulnerability more than death. Now, everyone is saying that this generation is weak. Every generation was weak. Humanity itself is frail and weak. The only difference is that every other generation had stability. We are the most unstable and antisocial generation. The family structure is not the same. The quality of education has really gone down. We're far more atheistic. And there's no real leaders. Every other generation had at least one powerful leader and role model. You can't name one today. Plus, 
peer pressure has gone through the roof. Back then, all you needed was a cell phone to be cool in school. Now you need a phone, a car, a girlfriend, a job, a business, and a social media page with a lot of followers. Talk about keeping up with the Kardashians. Plus, we have no real idea of what life is or what it is really about. We've gone further and further away from the true aims and the measures of life. We have gone so far from understanding what is really worth our time, thought, and effort. And trust me, I can relate. The year of 2018 was probably one of the worst years of my life. I mean, that year was probably one of the most darkest times that I can even think about. I mean, honestly, looking back at it, I, I really can't think of anything good that happened to me in 2018 but besides the fact that God uh, protected me um, through that year. I missed one of my best friend's wedding. I remember getting a job where I was getting the most pay and I lost it. And then I found another job and I lost that too. And I could just remember waking up each and every morning just questioning, just questioning life. Questioning life and its meaning, questioning my value, and ultimately even questioning my faith and God's faithfulness in my life. It's a very dark point. Didn't know necessarily who to turn to. Because as men, society makes it so hard for us to open up. You know, as men, we don't get to cry. As men, we don't get to suffer. As men, we don't get to express our emotions because it makes us less manly. When really, vulnerability is power. And it's even harder too when you're a leader, especially when you're someone who's constantly preaching faith, encouragement to others. When in the end of the day, you feel this sense of emptiness, this sense of loneliness to where you yourself can't even draw or drink from the water that you have been giving to others. And so, of course, I've hit a rock bottom and a low in my life. Now, I won't say that I've ever considered actually taking away my own life. But there were days where I wish I didn't wake up. There were days where I would just say, look, if I had to go today, I really don't care. I really don't. Um, but you know, one thing that has always kept me going is that even though throughout the year of 2018, I was going through a very dark 
and low time in my life. I could remember that anytime I would go to any functions or events, I would see the smile on my friends and family faces when they see me. And how much people would tell me that they're happy to see me if I see them in church. Or family or friends are happy to see me when I see them. And it dawned on me. I was like, you know what? My life brings happiness and joy to others. Without me even having to say anything, my presence alone makes people happy. Even though I'm not happy myself, even though I'm going through a time of difficulty, of hardship, and even though I'm in this very dark, deep pit and hole and no one knows that I'm suffering and dying on the inside, for some reason, me being here brings light and hope to others. And I know, I know that thought, I know that feeling where you question yourself and you say, you know, what would happen if I was just disappear? If I would be gone? If I would vanish away? Would my family or friends miss me? Would anyone even care if I'm gone? You know, it's one thing to vanish and be gone. You know, poof, without a trace off of the face of the air. But it's another thing to be found dead. And let me tell you, just think about the horror that would be on your family or friend's face when they find you dead. You know, I know that life gets hard. I know that you might have this feeling of emptiness and you might feel like you're tired of fighting, you're tired of getting up, you're tired of trying. But really, that pain that you are feeling would only multiply. And when you leave, you're not just leaving yourself, but you're leaving your pain with others. If there's anything about me, I always tell myself that I won't go down without a fight. I always told myself, look, although I don't feel like it, although I don't want to, although I could care less, I'll do it for them. I'll do it for my friends. I'll do it for my family. I don't have to live for me, but I will live for them. I can't imagine the look of my nephews, my sisters, or my friends' face if I was to be gone without them. And if there's anything about me, I'm not going down without a fight. I will fight anything and will fight for anything, even if it means I have to fight myself, my inner demons, my inner thoughts, and overcome my inner struggles. Because at the end of the day, the battle is not even mine. 
God says that I will fight for you. God says that you should hold your peace. The Bible says that greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. God says, I have plans for you. You may not have plans to live, but I have plans for you to live. And you don't have to die because I already plan to die for you. So if there's anyone that you should live for, it should be for me because I died for the life that you now have. And I can tell you that God will give you strength. God will give you clarity. God will give you direction. God will give you hope. You just have to commit yourself to living, to waking up each and every day. If you would just hold on to his hands, if you would just pour out your heart to him, God will hold you. He will remind you of your value. He will assure you of your future. And he will strengthen you in the present. It may not be easy. It may be dark. But you know, there's one thing that I've always thought about. You've ever noticed that the sun does not go away when the clouds and the rains are covering the sky. It's still there. God is still there. As dark as it is, as gloomy as it might feel, as scary as the future might be, God is right there. All you have to do is look at him. All you have to do is look towards heaven and God will give you the strength to get through. Fight the good fight. Endure. Read the word and pray. And I know this might sound cliche, but I'm telling you, this is your lifeline. This is your only hope. Now, some might say, well, I don't even believe in God. Well, what you believe now isn't helping much. Give God a try. Get back on your knees and fight. Because at the end of the day, we have an adversary. Those thoughts, those troubles, those feelings, they have a source. You have thoughts of suicide. You have thoughts of depression. You have thoughts of feelings of worthlessness and emptiness. Why? Because you have an adversary. You have an enemy. You have an accuser. You have someone who wants you to believe in those thoughts, who wants you to commit it. But most importantly, I thank God that you have an advocate as well too. Someone who is fighting for your side. Someone who is vouching for you. Someone who is speaking for you. Someone who is standing for you. Someone who died and lived for you. Now, I don't know what you're feeling right now. But I can tell you that what helps me get through each and every day, that no matter how hard life gets, no matter how pressing my back may be against the wall, if there's anything that I live by. I always tell myself that as long as I have breath, death is never an option.
All right. So that pretty much sums up today's episode. I want to thank you all for listening to this podcast, The Truth For You. And if you haven't, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you may be able to get extra contents and other counsels and advices as we just had on this episode. This will be all my youths. May you all have a blessed one. And until next time, like always, stay blessed. Goodbye.